0: Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. Broadcasting live today from the Morton studio. And wow, we're still catching our breath from the Ag PhD field day last week. What a blast, though. Got to see so many people literally from all over the world. When you think about that, it really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Agriculture is not just my local neighborhood. And, you know, with, gosh, our own farm. I think about how often we look at just the local climate, what's happening here, what conditions are, and making big judgments for everywhere, you know, thinking, well, we had a hard time getting in. That must mean everybody did. Certainly not, but wow, there are just so many lessons to learn. So we're going to do a field day review on today's show, talk about some of the best things, some of the key takeaways, and also just think about what's coming up. What's coming down the road? What are the new things that are coming out that you should consider? Throughout the show today, we're going to have our phone lines open at 844 44 AGPHD. You can call in if you're at the field day. We'd love to hear from you. love to hear what your impressions were and what your key takeaways were for your farm. Also, you can send us an email. We've got a big email box today, radio at agphd.com. We'll try to get through as many of those as we possibly can because... Wow, Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening all across the country, a lot of things that we're looking at. Like, for example, got a question from Jeff, and he's like, what can we ferticate? What do you recommend? Boy, there's so many things that go into that kind of question. Where are you at right now with your nutrient levels? We're pulling plant tissue tests each week across our farm, and it just changes. You know, we catch rainfall, and with these rapid growth stages we've gone through, There's been uh, just ups and downs. Like, for example, boron is one of the problems that I would say Brian has probably been a little more aggressive than me dealing with, putting on quite a bit in our dry program. I've been trying to address it through the season with split shot applications of boron. And, you know, here's here's one of the debates that we have. And and this is one at the field day, too, because we had high yield growers literally from all over the world there. And we just brought this up. All right, boron. How are you addressing it? Well, if you've got a really light sandy soil and heavy rainfall, putting it all on in the fall in a dry form, lots of pounds, is probably not your best bet. But for us in a normally dry climate, that, that's something that we've had pretty good luck with. We've been trying to build our soil levels up. So many of the soil tests we're looking at are, are similar to what we've seen on our own farm. Half a part per million of boron, maybe just a little better, but not certainly not the one or, who knows, two or three parts per million that we're going to need to maximize yield. When you're thinking about uh, listening to the, the guys that are putting it on with pivots or or drip tape and just supplying a little bit all the way through the season, obviously that's ideal if you could do that. But in our dry soils, it's been it's been a challenge. Even when we put nitrogen out, it's kind of the same thing. The nitrogen moves through soil pretty well. But, wow! Well, if we get a stretch that it's not getting adequate rainfall and we're dry, sometimes we do the side dress and get absolutely nothing out of it. So we want to try and figure out how do we get that boron in early, get it into the plant tissue. And then what certainly appears to be happening to me is we get it into plant tissue and then it moves later. But it's... It's still one of those things that I'm scratching my head about. And I'm sure if you're looking at different nutrients on your farm, there's probably some that are easy. And you say, well, I just put on more pounds of this and it all worked out. It got into my crop. Everything was good. But then there's other things that you say, man, I just put a whole bunch of zinc out there and I'm still short of zinc. What's happening? And that's some of the stuff, the, some of the side discussions and, and also some of the main stage discussions that we had at the field day with, with some of these top growers. You know, certainly as as we look at crops today, nutrients are one piece of this. Uh, I was just out looking at some of our fields earlier here, just in the last couple of hours. We've got just an unevenness of tasseling in certain fields where we really struggled with water issues this spring. And that's been one of the questions that we got at the field day too, is how do I handle these fields that are uneven and... How do I figure out where should I put my money if I'm going to invest a few extra dollars in trying to make things better? I I just look at if hey, well I've got one field of mine great example. Half the field looks awesome, looks even, everything's perfect. The other half of the field really suffered from too much water. And you know when you look at that, you can push that back half of the field. You don't have to just say well whole field is shot. I'm not I'm not gonna do the extra application or the extra shot of fungicide or whatnot. I'm not looking at it that way. I'm trying to look acre by acre. And when you think about how we're doing our variable rate, planting population, variable rate, fertility application, and so forth, it makes a lot of sense to me to say, all right, these acres up here, I'm probably going to get 50% yield, maybe a little better. I'm just not going to spend the money there. My chance of a return is zero. But my odds of a good return on the part of the field that does look good are pretty high. So I don't know that I'm to the point where I'm going to be able to say, well, this one acre, turn it on, this one acre, turn it off, especially when we end up hiring a helicopter or a plane or something to to do those late applications. But I'm certainly going to look at certain areas of the field and say, you know, we can just cut the field right here, and here's a great uh, marking point where to spray up to this point, and then after that, let's let it go. On the soybean side, though, uh, even our parts of the fields that – that look pretty tough, and I, I was looking at some soybeans too, where we've got a lot less branching, still not quite closing the row in some of these tough areas. That mainly every tough area has been just impacted by water. It's the same cause, and and some of those spots still have water sitting in them. Uh, I'm not giving up on the beans yet. There's still a lot of time on soybeans. They can still make it up. You yeah, know, if there's no root system underneath them and they're they're dead, I guess that's one thing, but But they still look pretty good. And I think even in those tough areas of fields, if we can pull 40 bushel beans out of those tough areas, it could be fun. Okay, uh, enough talk about our own farm. Let's talk about field day a little bit. We're going to do a review. We're going to bring on some highlights for you in case you missed it. Or if you were there, just a little bit of review for you as well. And our phone lines are open all throughout the show at
1: 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra Herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Zero. Zilch. Zip. That's the total cases of resistance documented with Manzate ProStick. That's right. Zero. Zilch. Zip. Not all fungicides can say this, but Manzate ProStick from UPL can. This multi-site fungicide not only controls walnut blight, it plays a critical role in delaying the development of resistance, which is why Manzate ProStick is the foundation fungicide in all walnut blight control programs. For a recommendation, contact your PCA. Always read and follow label directions.
2: Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic is proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir!
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio Broadcasting from the Martin Studio. Today I'm Darren Hefty and just doing a little review today of the Ag PhD field day that happened last week. We had a great turnout, we had a great day. A lot of stuff in the field. I think some of the plots were more showy than they've been in the past, probably because we've had enough stress this year to really bring about some differences. We've got our friend Brad Powell on right now with Bear. Brad, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good. How are you, Darren?
0: Pretty good. I think you've been to every ag PhD field day, so you've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good handle on this. I, I'm thinking the plots were a little more showy this year, just with the challenging weather we've had. But uh, what what did you think? I guess what was your impression of uh, how crops were, and then and then the audience that was there?
3: Yeah, I think you know we generated a lot of a lot of good discussions this year because of the challenging year that a lot of the growers have experienced on their own operations. There was a lot of talk about, uh, you know, late planting and and what effect it's going to have and a lot of questions around uh, fungicides actually on corn because guys are excited about the corn they did get planted and trying to see if they can maximize some yields out there.
0: We've got a lot some of corn at, questions
3: around Delaro and Stratego.
0: Yeah, we've got some cornet brown silk now Brad and we're starting to get a lot of those questions yep. too. what What did you specific I, I had a lot of Delaro questions as well but what what fungicide questions or what advice were you giving guys for for this year's crop?
3: you know I, I guess my advice was that the ROI is is better this year than it's been for the last couple of years. And on those acres they got planted, I think there's a great opportunity to get a good return on their investment. And timing wise, you know, we're right in that sweet spot right now. We've got corn that's either fully pollinated or, or just getting into the pollination stage. So um, those are really the, the timing lines up well with with the uh, season we've got in front of us right now for Delaro or, or a fungicide application at this point.
0: You know, the, the fungicide talk in wheat this year was, was really big too, and we definitely saw some gains on, on our small grains getting fungicide out timely. What did you learn? There were yes. some, certainly some lessons in the small grains of the field day.
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, we talked to a couple growers about, uh, you know, from that wheat area were a lot of concerns around fusarium head scab this year. And I know my North Dakota counterparts are dealing with that a lot right now. And some of the uh, decisions to go cheap were not the right decisions in protecting against the head scab this year. Prosaro has continued to to uh, show its value out there in the marketplace and, and continues to do a great job against that head scab. And for some of those guys that neglected to do those earlier, ap- earlier applications of fungicide, we were starting to see some leaf rust, stripe rust showing up. So we had a, you know, a plethora of diseases getting thrown at that small grain this year because of the, the rainfall we were receiving.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good lesson for the growers. We started off by talking fungicides in corn, and you think about Absolutely. that, too. There's a lot of guys that talk about, well, I'm going to go cheap. Well, this year is a year that uh, going cheap is not working. You know, we've seen it on yep. soybeans, too, this year, where we've had some Absolutely. growers going, uh, going conventional, thinking, well, I'm going to try and save some money, and boy, were they wishing they had the extend trade later on in the season
3: yeah i mean we've seen some really real value from that extend system this year and trying to control weeds that we didn't take out with tillage in some areas and and weeds that in no-till areas just completely got away from growers and if they didn't have that option to use the extended max out there and and get some warrant out there from some or some in season residual they were really behind the eight ball from the get-go this year so those you know, that accentrate soybean really showed some value in weed control and, and hopefully will deliver some really good yields here at the end of the season as well.
0: You know, one other thing, Brad, I guess the climate folks had a big presence in your area and I find myself using that app a lot more this year. In fact, I was just out doing some scouting, taking some pictures, putting some notes in. It's getting more user friendly. What kind of feedback did you get about climate?
3: Yeah, absolutely. The climate you know, they, they did a major upgrade this spring and a lot of people were not aware of that. So, now there, there was a lot of discussion around that upgrade. So, anything that you, just about anything you used to be able to do from your laptop or your iPad, you now have those same capabilities available on your phone. So, that, that software upgrade really has generated a lot of interest and has increased the, the, user-friendliness of that uh, climate app on everybody's smartphones that are out there and that we're so commonly using every day. So that's been a big plus with the with the climate piece.
0: Yeah, I think anybody that hasn't used that app or hasn't got it set up for their farm, this would be a great time to demo that because there's so much variation out in fields. And I know uh, for our operation, it sure help us helps us get our arms around that and target in where we need to be. Doing a little extra scouting, uh, been talking with Brad Paul yeah. with Bear and and Brad. There's just so much, yeah, yet so much in your area. Uh, I was trying to kind of yeah. hit some of the highlights for you. I guess was there, was there anything I missed? Sure.
3: You know, just uh, the whole corn herbicide thing. Um, you know, we've got we've got a great lineup of of corn herbicides, and we had a lot of questions around changes or anything coming new and different there. And and really for 2020, the the new and exciting thing we've got to talk about not only on corn herbicides but the whole The whole piece of the Bayer offer is going to be around our Bayer Plus grower program that's going to roll out starting September 1. So we're excited about that and excited about what that can bring some additional value to the growers as we look ahead to uh, the 2020 season.
0: Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Brad. Really appreciate it and appreciate all the support.
3: Yes, thanks, Darren.
0: Let's head, uh, head over to Farm farm shop manufacturing we've got Tony Wendler with us right now Tony, thanks for joining us hey good afternoon Darren yeah you guys were awfully to- you guys are awfully busy at the at the field day a lot of people asking about closing wheels that was something that I would say came up over and over again uh, what what kind of feedback were you getting and uh, what was the uh, what was the crowd like for you the
4: um, actually the two components had us quite busy the um, the closing wheels uh, people were intrigued with uh, the design of ours. I guess the, the first thing uh, with the steel construction because they're, uh, people are concerned about the wear. They, they get the, the poly ones and they wear out. But the other thing in our design that uh, really is a benefit is we've got that uh, inner shoulder. That uh, We have the, the teeth on our wheel go on the ground and make the ground squirt into the furrow. And then that uh, inner shoulder puts the firming right over the seed so it gets that maximum seed-to-soil contact uh, and, uh, you know, gets the results and uh, causes the germination and hence the name for the wheel, the germinator.
0: Yeah, that, that was so, a big that was a big topic and you know here we go we have 2019 and the planting mm-hmm. conditions we were fighting and any kind of advantage that growers could get with the planter is really looking to be uh, a big factor this season. Uh, but then of course, uh, I was talking about how uneven some of our fields are. Uh, you got the grain temp guard bin monitors. Can you talk to us about those just a minute? Those were
4: actually had a, a lot of uh, interest in uh, those also. Uh, we've got uh, two different uh, designs, and basically these are, are targeting people who don't want to spend the thousands to put the, the traditional uh, temperature monitoring systems into their bin. It's a, it's a low-cost targeting existing construction, although you can put it into a new bin. The, uh, at uh, $399 per unit, uh, the strong components to it are that uh, we've got uh, two uh, probes on it. You've got two digital readouts on each probe. You can set parameters so that, uh, for instance, in the fall, I use it this way, that uh, you're cooling a bend down. You always wonder if that temperature front has gone clear through to the top. You can actually set an alarm on your uh, temperature probe, and when it cools to the point you wanted, the you'll have an external flashing light and an audible alarm, which is, kind of annoying so you'll want to go take care of
0: it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and you got to get your attention especially when you're super busy like that. So that I can see that would be be quite handy. Did you have a lot of first time field day guests in your tent or what what were you hearing from the crowd? Uh well, the 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 one key first time field guest was
4: me. I've been wanting to come out to your field day for a couple of years and uh, this is my
0: first opportunity. And Darren, I got locked in my tent all day talking to people. <laughs> okay, Tony. Well, sorry about that. We'll definitely invite you back for next year, and then uh, then let you get around the field day site just a little bit and see everything else. You're right, though. I mean, there's there's so much going on. It's it's easy to get caught up in all the conversations. Been talking with Tony Wendler with Farm Shop Manufacturing. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you at the field day, and appreciate having you on today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
5: Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more.
6: Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and
1: productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an Axial Flow Combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today.
7: Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use NuTex EDA this season with all your foliar applications.
6: The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit FarmShopMFG.com.
1: Tired of that old warped poly boom ruining your spray applications? Express Boom from Hypro is a fully assembled stainless steel boom that ensures an even application of chemicals every time. Don't wait another season. Upgrade today. Hypro, helping you spray better. Using Nserve nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show Nserve delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre. And Nserve is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa nutrient reduction strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com
0: you're listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. Getting a little update of the Ag PhD Field Day, which happened last week on Thursday. Thank you to everybody who was able to make it. Uh, we really appreciate your attendance. We really appreciate all the feedback that we get and and the great questions and information. Uh, I just love some of the discussions and. I would say it was probably an hour and a half after the field day was technically over. I went back to some of the first step plots and the high yield plots. And here I find Matt Miles and Rob Deadman and a lot of these just awesome farmers back there still talking, still looking at ways to improve yield, still talking to other growers and sharing ideas. Uh, we've got Matt Miles with us right now. Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you at the field day and thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was awesome.
0: You know, you had so many guys in your tents uh, when you were talking and just asking questions and, and getting that back and forth. Do you find that some of these days you end up picking more up from uh, from the other farmers and some of their ideas than, than you even feel like you're able to share?
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely. That That's one of the things that I enjoy about it most. Uh, is As far as a, a, a farm show or, or field day, uh, and that's what it's all about is, is sharing information. And, you know, some of the questions that are that are asked to me, you know, the ones I can't answer, I answer. The ones I can't answer, I go back and try to figure out how I could have answered it if I could. And uh, I learn—I learn just as much, you know, because most of the guys, you know, from that area, you know, there's not a lot of guys in my area that go to field day that far away. So I get a whole new perspective about what's going on between the first step plots and and the different farmers that visit the field day.
0: You know, it's different, some of the questions you're right, and and for for where I farm, a lot of farmers are looking at using fungicides for plant health benefits. Where you're at, you guys have such disease pressure with frog eye and some of these other things. Uh, Do you look at fungicide use a little different? I I know we feel like it's essential here, but I know it's got to be essential for you too.
2: We do. I mean, we, we still try to put on that, that R3 application because it does provide the most yield bump. And then when we get in a situation, say the frog eye or, or another disease, if we have to, we'll come back and retreat. Most of the time with some of these fungicides we have now, they give long enough control that we can kind of get the best of both worlds with that, with that mid-R3 uh, application. But, and, you know, a lot of that's been because we've had the frog eye resistant beans. You know some of the varieties that we grow, and that's one thing that when we're selecting a variety that we have to kind of look at, is is, you know the disease resistance because it's like it's like a swamp down here. You know, at times like this morning when I come to the shop right there at daylight, it was so foggy that you could you probably could see about forty or fifty yards. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's pretty powerful, and you know, I, we we felt like we had some humid times this summer. You you've got it for most of the season, and uh, that does it, it. has advantages, but it also can can make things tougher too. Like for just as these soybeans are blooming, and and we want everything to be great for them. Uh, I guess were there any ideas that you had that you shared I, I assume people said man I've got all these blooms I just can't keep them is it a nutrient thing is it something else so uh, where do you start with that kind of discussion
2: well we kind of you know it's all about reducing stress and and we get into some environmental conditions that's completely out of the realm sometimes with everything else but uh, it starts with fertility uh, whether it's a soybean plant corn and, you know whatever we're growing uh, that plant needs to be healthy when it goes into that reproductive stage and and fertility and a root system on there you know a, a good root system is is essential to, to keeping that plant healthy and then you can take things like fungicides, uh, or, or, or irrigation or whatever we're doing at the time uh, to try to help that Now the, the big deal for us I feel like is our nighttime temperatures if if, they're, if the plant don't have a chance to respire, then essentially it's working 24 sevens. It's just not going to retain the fruit that it would if it has a chance to, to kind of relax in, in, the, in the nighttime hours or even some in the daytime hours. So, And, you know, we think the fungicide aids in the canopy temperature, which is a big deal for us, which might not be such a big deal, you know, in your area.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is a great one. And I know we hear a lot about that from, um, well, Dave Hewla and Randy Dowdy on the East Coast talk about the same kind of thing of, of hot nights and how what a challenge that is. And and you're right, we generally have nights in the 60s, and that helps us a lot. Yeah, there's so many things that you just don't even realize till you start talking to farmers who work in different parts of the country and different parts of the world, and you start realizing, oh, okay, I guess I have some advantages in my area. It's not all bad, and it's not all the toughest thing ever. Uh, Matt, I know you're super busy. It's right in the middle of the growing season. Really appreciate the time, and, and thanks once again for coming up to the field day this year.
2: Yes, sir, and thank you for having, having me. We really
0: enjoyed it. You bet. Thanks, Matt. All right, uh, let's head down to Alabama. Speaking about a place that gets uh, gets some hot nights, we've got Chad Henderson with us, who's another one of the high-yield growers speaking at our field day. Chad, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've seen a few pictures of how your crop's doing. You guys are clearly a little further along than we are. Uh, where Where's your corn at right now? What stage are you at?
8: Well, I think I'm somewhere around, uh, last I looked, it's somewhere around 2800 GDU. So we're, we're through irrigating. We're finished up. I guess it is what it is right now.
0: Yep, yep. I guess we'll see where the chips fall. You know when—that's
8: exactly right.
0: When you talk to growers, you had a lot of growers you were talking with at the field day too, and certainly Alabama's a little different area than uh, the Midwest. Uh, what were some of the big things that stood out to you? The the tough questions you had, or or just some of the information that you said, "Oh, I didn't realize that."
8: Um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, boron this time. I guess we we had that question every time I was in the tent with Mister Perry Galloway. And uh you you know wish down here a lot of the questions are well what's what's going happen with y'all in the dicamba scare, yes, you know, and then also like I said, how about boron and trying to maintain levels in that so that was I guess a couple of the main questions that Perry and I talked about
0: you know we we try to do things the way uh the way that you want them done because we're working with uh with Chad and and other growers all the way through the thing. Chad, uh, how did how did Glenn do for you at the field day this year? Did did he get stuff on right for you?
8: <laughs> Man, Glenn Glenn does an excellent job. I mean, you know, uh you you, you know, you talk to Glenn and talk to Glenn all through the year and the growing season, he sends samples and you know, you're you're thinking, you know, well this is going on. And then it really hits home when you get to that field day and you see all the things that him and his team have done and what they've accomplished. And it's it's truly amazing. It is truly amazing to get to get the work done, the quality work that that uh, y'all do up there. It's it's something everybody needs to see. Yeah,
0: you know, we've been we've been challenged with some higher soil pHs, and that's been one of the things. <laughs> I know a lot of these first step plots have been trying to to fight through to get nutrient availability and different things. How about your farm, Chad? How does how does that vary? Are You fighting uh, more pH on the low side, or what's a, what's a big challenge for you?
8: Well, you know. Um, not, not really. You know, we'll apply lime about every, well, every year to to you know every other year. We'll apply lime according to what we've done, how much if it's irrigated or corn or, or or nitrogen levels and you know things like that. But, but no, we we don't. Um, our pH is going to stay in that. Um, we try to keep it in that uh, six five six eight range six two anything in that range. But you know ours will just keep on. Them. We have to apply lime regularly you know and then we get into a mag problem and we can't get any dolomite lime or things like that down here so uh, we have low mag in this area
0: yeah that's going to be a challenge too for us i've been and i don't know where we really need to be on our plant tissue samples but they just keep (laughs) keep coming back low on magnesium and i know that's a key nutrient so that's one we're still trying to figure out here
8: well we we are too as well you know i've we've made some some pretty good corn down here and the levels have been the same i wonder i wonder myself at what level at what level and what bushel level it's affecting me is it affecting me now or you know but i haven't figured out how to move the needle on mag
0: either yeah, some of these problems, I, I I don't know that we're necessarily going to get them all solved overnight. But it's really fun uh, working with growers like you, Chad. Just because I know you're always looking. It's hey, I got a really nice yield. I got you know a little bit of praise from, from my yield. Maybe I won an award or something like that. But I'm still yeah. working at what that next level is going to be. Hey, Chad, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you up at the field day this year, and uh, and good talking to you again today.
8: It's it's a real pleasure to work with y'all, and I, I appreciate it. And uh, Like I said, it's a a lot to learn for anybody who hasn't made the field day. It's a a whole lot to learn up there.
0: Thanks, Chad. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
6: No one has to explain stress to a farmer. (laughs) That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions.
9: When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long
6: with a Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for
2: control of more weeds than any other soybean system featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements
6: in your state. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pot fill. Don't fall behind. Ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by ActiGrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with
8: branded generic herbicides from Atticus LLC. Tough broadleaf weeds are a hassle, but they're no match for Cavallo from Atticus. Cavallo delivers fast, contact, and residual control so your corn, soybean, and sorghum crops can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit atticusllc.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions.
6: You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding AgroLiquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the in-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com.
0: Welcome back and listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. Getting a little recap of the Ag PhD field day, I've got Patrick Gotch with us right now. Patrick, uh, for, for folks who got a chance to visit with you, I, I talked to quite a few. They're like, I can't believe you have Patrick Gotch there. I love RFD TV, and now I love rural radio. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of great feedback like that, Patrick.
10: Yeah, we do. I, I, I love going to the farm shows, love going to to uh, uh, your uh, field days uh, last week. Met a lot of great people, and that's the real fun part of, of uh, what we do here after 19 years. It was hard to get this, these networks on the air, but the, uh, the response that we get and, and just uh, the feedback that we get from our audience all over the country for both ag and Western sports is, is uh, a, a real payday for us now.
0: You know, Patrick, you mentioned how hard it was to get rural programming on the air. It's been a battle to keep it on air, too, and not because there aren't enough people listening or watching. There, there's just a lot of forces that work. How, I know you've got something going on right now to help protect us uh, as rural Americans, keeping good sources of information like RFD-TV, rural radio and others. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on and, and also share how we can get involved?
10: Yeah, all us rural programmers are really on an island now. We're independent, uh, the National Cattlemen, American Farm Bureau. I mean, you guys, uh, uh, Orient and Max, Farm Journal, Ag Day, every, everybody's kind of on one channel. And uh, as, as everybody probably noticed, there's been a lot of mergers going on for the last four years. Comcast merged with MSNBC. AT&T merged with DirecTV. Charter merged with Time Warner. And and what's resulted from that is is now all the the media distribution is really controlled by four or five companies, and they're all based on the East Coast in New York and Philadelphia and and one in Los Angeles. And what's really been happening on the TV side is they've been pushing off all the rural programming. Uh, uh, They're putting on their own programming now and moving us to the side. Uh, We've been fighting it as hard as we can. Uh, you know, through the the traditional means and met with these folks. And it's not because of ratings. It's not because of uh, some rate dispute or one of those other things, uh, reasons for dropping a channel. Uh, It's just the fact that we're rural. And uh, after four years of this, and it keeps getting worse and worse, you know, it's a terrible trend. and, And if there's one thing that we all agree on in rural America and agriculture is that we have to do a better job of communicating with our urban neighbors. I mean, you guys do a great job of it on on both your radio and your TV show, but if we aren't in these homes to start with, they're never going to hear it or see it. So as a last resort, um, after meeting with the FCC five different times and the Department of Justice and showing them what we are doing, they all said the same thing. They got it, that rural programming was being discriminated against. But there was no law, there was no mandate, there was no uh, uh, nothing for the FCC to enforce. So, uh, after hearing that for four years, we've and not having any other means, we've gotten this bill introduced in the House. It's called HR 2682, the Agricultural News and, and Rural Communications Act of 2019. And what that will do is is just like mail was protected and. In 1893, with the Rural Free Delivery Act and and electricity was brought down country roads when the urban guys were fighting it in 1937, this will ensure that just 1% of all this bandwidth, all this channel capacity on on any system that's existing now or is developed in the future, be reserved for rural programming, rural content, agricultural news, and we're having some luck with that. It's finally getting some traction after a year and a half. Uh, Colin Peterson in Minnesota just jumped on board as a co-sponsor of HR two six eight two, and we're going to go to the Minnesota Farm Fest here in a in a week and thank him in person and thank him uh, publicly. And I believe in even uh, you guys are going to show up. We got a booth up there on August seventh, and uh, and really. Try to get even some more traction and, and get this going. You know, as you know, we got a, a president that's friendly to rural America. There's lots of rural senators and congressmen. Uh, we've done a good job of, of educating them on what the heck's going on here. Everybody gets it that they love rural broadband and they got behind rural broadband to get the speeds up, but they're forgetting about rural content. If if rural broadband is put in it, right now it's only being put in for urban-based companies to shove their garbage out to rural America. Well, we want to shove some of our news and, and information, in our opinion, needs to go back into the urban areas. So this bill will accomplish that. Sorry to talk so
2: long.
0: <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Well, and, and like you say, uh, if if we don't stand up now, we, we're going to lose this opportunity that we've got. And they are great uh, people working for us out in Washington on farm and rural issues that it's not a, a polarizing uh, partisan issue here. Uh, we're getting people on both sides of the aisle that see this and are, are getting behind. For for people in rural America, how can they get involved with this, Patrick?
10: And, and, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, the bill was introduced by uh, uh, Representative Rogers of, from uh, uh, Arkansas and uh in, Russia, in illinois a republican and a democrat so this is a bipartisan bill this is not about politics quite frankly there's a lot of people in in urban america that want to get this rural content i mean they they grandma and grandpa had a farm or mom and dad had a farm you know they moved to the city um plus just regular city folks want to find out you know where their food and fiber comes from and how it's grown so this is important to everybody it's just a, a, a very naive uh, uh, approach by these four program directors at these big urban cities that have no connection with rural America. They don't see any value to it. It's it's really frustrating. They, they get minority programming for their other uh, viewers. Comcast, for example, carries 55 channels devoted to Hispanic America and Hispanic language. There's uh, 12 African-American channels, which, which is great. We're all for it. But our argument is, can't there be, you know, one or two or maybe even three rural channels? Uh, and, and your question was, how would how, how do people get involved? Contact their congressman and senator right now. Uh, the bill is specifically H.R. 268T, 2682, the Agricultural News uh, Act of 2019 and just encourage them to co-sponsor it now. Now that it's introduced, we need we need more co-sponsors. We need to to get it introduced uh, formally in the House and the Senate, get it voted on, and then get the uh, president to sign it. And then and then these urban companies will have to carry rural programming and, and they'll get it. it. It's the only option. You know, most Republicans want to push back on it because they want the marketplace to work. Well, this is a a Example where the marketplace simply isn't working. Uh, People like the content, it's cheap, and it's just getting pushed aside because, uh, because again, it's a rule.
0: Well, like you say too, Patrick, the FCC just doesn't have a law or a mandate to enforce at this point. So once once they have something like that, now all of a sudden uh, we can be fair again and give rural America the voice that it it so desperately needs. So for, for everybody listening, I, you, you hear about a lot of stuff and, and I get a lot of feedback that, wow, I love uh, the rural radio channel. This is awesome. We're, we're talking to the guy that got this launch that fought for many years to get this even available for us, this kind of programming, and and he needs some help right now. We need to talk to our congresspeople uh, and have them support HR 2682, jump on as co-sponsors, and stand up for rural America. Patrick Gotch, uh, really appreciate having you on. I know you're super busy, uh, but it, it's just so valuable for our listeners when they get to hear from you. Thank you so much for what you do, and thanks for coming to our field day this year as well.
10: Well, thank you. And like I said there, I mean, nobody's done more for RFD TV and Rural Radio than the Hefty Brothers and and your programming. We really appreciate you guys. And anything we can do for you guys anytime, we're certainly going to do it.
0: You bet. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, And again, that's H.R. 2682. Make sure you call uh, and talk to your congresspeople. Tell them, hey, this is important to me. This gives me uh, at least the opportunity uh, to share a little bit about what's going on in rural America and to, to catch that rural news and information that I need. Well, we're talking about the Ag PhD Field Day today and uh, just doing a little bit of review from that. And we've got some questions here that I want to get to right after the break as well. Stay tuned.
7: How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at StepsGMS.com for more information.
6: You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agroliquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the in-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com.
1: What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra Herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions.
6: Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com.
9: Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott harms an agris specialist with Grain PHD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PHD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at grainphd.com.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and you can call and join the discussion at 844-44-AG-PHD. It's exactly what Josh did quite a while ago. He's been hanging on. Josh, I really appreciate the patience. Uh, when the owner of the network calls in, he's he's going to get on first, I'm afraid. But, uh, but thanks for hanging on there. What's going on on your farm?
11: I totally understand getting bumped. That's perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. li- living, living the dream. But uh, we got a little hiccup in the uh, corn. Corn uh, this year. Um, we put on um, liquid uh, post-emerge, a uh, hundred pounds of that with our application, and uh, we were going to be wide dropping roughly about ninety pounds of nitrogen. And we had all of our other fields done, and the applicator came back to spray our fungicide and said. I don't remember doing that field when we wide dropped. So Uh-oh. lo and behold, we didn't get anything on despite oh the maps and everything else. So, so they uh, just missed the Y
0: drop. They got the lick. You got the liquid on early cause you yes. guys did that yourselves. Uh we, we had, we had a local co-op do it, but but there was a different applicator. So they had that part. Yes. done. Just the 90 pounds of Y drop. Okay.
11: Yep. The Y drop, the Y drop didn't, didn't get applied on that one field. Um, and I just wanted to see what our rescue option is at this point. Uh, we were supposed to have been putting on about 90 pounds with the Y-drop, and our, our current agronomist says pretty much we. Every, everyone else who's been spraying fungicide, you know, the Y-drops are off all the machines. We're about R2 at this point. Um, yep. he, uh, he said basically, you know, flying on dry urea is an option because the planes are in fungicide mode, so they're, they've got their liquid, not their dry boxes on, uh, and at this point, flying on some slow release product that is about four gallons for a full rate and it's about three pounds per or three three pounds of nitrogen per gallon. He said was well, about our only shot. Is that
0: well that really was really our only shot? That was the first one that came to mind for me, but you are still only at R two and yeah, finding somebody that would uh, would drop it on there would be my first choice, uh, if we could if we could find someone to do that. Now it may not be your normal applicator; it may end up being another farmer that's still getting stuff done. Everybody is so behind this year that. You just never know. There's probably somebody not too far away from you that's still trying to get it done the first time. <laughs> I, I'm just really thankful your your applicator said, you know what, I don't believe I did that field before. I mean, what if he said nothing and you just find out with the combine that, uh-oh, we got a big problem here. Does the corn look like it's short of end or is it, is it hanging in there so far? It looks pretty
11: good. And the, the fungicide application we put on over the weekend kind of perked it up for a uh, and made awesome. it a little greener, and, and it's it's looking really good, but I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop when it finally does run out. Yeah, uh, yeah. The soil test we've taken in the past, only 2 to 4% organic material, depending on where you are in the field. So, you know, we'll get a little free stuff that way, but... Not 90 pounds worth. Yeah, yeah, probably because not as much as you
0: need, be. yeah. Well, um, and that'd be another thing, too. I mean, a guy could, could pull a sample just to see where you're at for nitrate right now, just so you could at least uh, sleep a little bit better. But, boy, if there's any way that you could get somebody to come back and, and do that Y-drop-type application... That would be that would be by far my first choice because flying on that small amount of N is fine for perking things up late, but usually just as a supplement to hey I had my full program and now I may have a hundred and ten percent yield instead of a hundred. That would be mm-hmm. that I guess that'd be the place where I'd be using that. But I mean, hey, if you can't do anything else, I guess that's better than nothing. But um, at what point is it too late? It, you know, and that's that's another. Good point. Um, and I I guess if you do a little bit of reading online, I think Tony Vine at Purdue had, uh, some of the best, um, data on that, that he was showing gains still all the way out, I believe to R5. I got to go back and reread what he wrote, but I, I read that, um, this winter, and I was thinking, he said, even all the way out to R five, they were still seeing some gains. Now, granted, you're gonna have to have some some water to move that in, and not every soil is gonna show that or anything like that. But just showing that it is possible gives me gives me hope because we're only at R two. We got a long ways to go here. We got another couple of months before we're gonna be harvesting this at best. So I, I would sure get out there if you can. If somebody was willing to do it, I, I would try and do that.
11: Okay uh second note came up to the field day last week top-notch top-notch awesome. deal that's thank very you very good really enjoyed it
0: thank you really appreciate that yeah I'm, I'm sorry that that field got missed on your farm i feel bad for you about that but I, i'm not giving up and I, when you said hey it still looks good uh that's mm-hmm. awesome and now we've got such a high demand for nutrients once you get past R two if we could get out there and get some more in on uh, however you can. And like I say, it just might be, uh, I don't get to work with my normal provider. I might have to work <laughs> with somebody else. Uh, but hey, you know, who knows? There may be a blessing in disguise there. You may find somebody else that's good. So now you got a couple different people you can lean on when the time's, time's right. All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Josh. It. You bet. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for holding too. Sorry. Sorry. It ended up taking us a little bit to get on. Not a problem. Have a great day. You too. Uh, another grower that was at our field day is Lee Lubers from South Dakota. Uh, Lee, you were speaking at the field day, and man, you guys are, always had people around you asking lots of questions.
9: Oh, it's nonstop. <laughs>
0: Well, that's okay. It keeps, it keeps life interesting. Um, uh, you know, I really appreciated having you there again and really appreciate just the chance to get to work with you because I know just the back and forth, it seems like uh, one of us is always figuring out something that the other one, uh, caught on to first. What were some of the big, uh, takeaways that you had? Because I know you're always picking up information from other growers as well.
9: Uh, using, uh, our tissue test as a learning tool so that we can kind of layer that with, uh, uh, growth curves uh, and nutrient uptake in our crops so we can kind of use both of those tools together uh, that was one thing i picked up on talking to some of the other high-yield growers and then it's just great every year visiting with people uh, you know I, I get thanked every year now that uh i've had guys walk up to me and say hey i tried some of the things that you talked about and it worked and that just makes me feel great because uh I'm there to help. And so are the other speakers. I mean, it's, it's only knowledge that it's shared and there's been such a veil of secrecy in agriculture that, Hey, we can't be sharing any of these things. No, we need to, we need to lift up our whole industry and the field day lets us do that. And it's, it's a great uh, learning experience for me. I learn new things and I get to help people hopefully. And it's just, it's a great experience.
0: You know, I talk to growers that say, well, you know, some of those guys at your field day are irrigated guys, and I'm all dry land. Well, uh, here we go. I don't know if there's anybody that was speaking at the field day that has more drier country usually than what you do. Now, this year may be the exception, but uh, how does some of these things translate to to dry land farming in areas where you just don't get that much rainfall?
9: Management always pays. I mean, that's one thing. Even talking to the guys from New Zealand, we're twelve thousand miles apart and two total different environments, but yet when we start comparing ideas and challenges, we're facing a lot of the same things. And it's still managing and reacting to conditions and same way speaking with Matt and Rob from Arkansas, we're several hundred miles apart, two different yield environments and they're 100% irrigated or 100% dryland. Still, a lot of the same principles apply.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I, I like I like your just your opening statement that hey, we're pulling these plant tissue tests. What are we doing with them? Let's let's make them into a learning tool. And stack them up with some of the other things going on on our farm to to try to put all these pieces together because I, I don't know I don't think we'll ever figure it all out but at least uh, it gets more fun when you start knocking out some of these things that oh okay I understand that part and now now I can uh, have a better shot at getting a good return on investment on my farm uh, hey Lee uh, we got to run but thank you so much for coming up to the field day again thanks for for helping so many growers and uh, and just being available and putting yourself out there it's like you say the information share is something we need to do more of
9: yeah thanks a lot for having me
0: bet i had had one last question i wanted to get to on our show uh larry had sent an email in, larry from virginia and he said uh my question is on boron you were talking about boron but i'm curious about my fescue turf uh my my tests are coming back low and i'm just nervous about uh, over applying and causing toxicity to the lawn uh, my initial thought is I just need to increase my organic matter. Any suggestions? You know, here's exactly what Lee was just talking about uh, on a show. He said, you know, you may be different growers, uh, long ways apart, but you face some of the same issues. On our farm, we did work to build our organic matter, Larry, and that's... Uh, easier said than done, and it does take some time. Uh, but but as you build organic matter, you've got more opportunity to hold negatively charged nutrients like boron. So that would be one thing. But the other thing I'd say is try it on a small area. Try putting on a little more boron in just a small area and see what happens and learn over a couple years. And you'll know the answer for your soils and your environment. Uh, I think you can put on a lot more boron than what people are saying. We're putting on several pounds per acre on our heavy soils that are high in calcium. Uh, But I I just try increasing the rate a little bit on a small area first and see how it works. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.